good to see each of you here and to welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ. So what do you preach for council meeting? Um, I have a lot of scriptures down here, okay? So we want to preach the word and be faithful to that. But as we come to council meeting, what's the primary focus of council meeting? Isn't it to give an expression of what is going on in our lives? We ask for an expression of peace. Three different questions. And those answers are all intertwined. We ask you if you have peace with God with your fellow Christians and with your fellow man as far as it's possible in your part. Pretty plain in scripture, if you don't have peace with your fellow man, you don't have peace with God. And if you don't have peace with your fellow man as far as it's possible in your part, how can you have peace with God? So they're all intertwined, and so I'm not going to pull apart anything there, but I have for a title this morning, Peace. So what is peace? And yes, you can respond to that. What is peace? If somebody asked you what peace is, what would you tell them? Okay, the love of Jesus. Settledness. No discord between you and God. No discord between you and God, okay? The absence of fear and worry. Okay. These are all good answers. So I went down. Uh, so let me see. Um, Josiah, you're the one that, what was your answer again? I, I didn't see who said it, but I thought I heard Josiah say it. Is that right? No discord. So what happens, yeah, I said that this piece is intertwined. So what happens if there's discord between me and you? Okay. And so can there be a lack of discord this way? Maybe for a little bit. Okay? So I looked, looked at the word peace as in Scripture and basically focused on the New Testament peace. And when it talks about the peace that we can have, I think without fail it was all the same word. And that means it's to... Join, it is one, it is peace, it is quietness, it is rest. But then at the very end of that definition, it said to set at one. I think that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about 
peace as it relates to peace with us between God and I, between God and you, is to be back in that relationship with God. So this peace is not the result of a negotiation. We don't negotiate with God to receive peace. I guess if you want to you know, get really technical, maybe you could say there is that element because there needs to be an acceptance. But there's no negotiation to coming to this peace. It's not something that we sit down with and discuss this side and this side and this side, and then we finally come to an agreement. It's not what we're talking about this morning. Now, before I go into that, I should have gone back to this word peace. So peace is used in Scripture a couple of other different ways as well. And a number of times through the New Testament and in the Old Testament, it talks about people holding their peace. In other words, they are quiet. When they hold their peace, typically it comes from the voluntary withholding or, or the voluntary uh, quietness. And then you have other places where it talks about a um, forced or a commanded silence. And so there's a little bit of a difference there. But we're talking about the one that means to set at one. This peace is the result of our personal access to the Holy of Holies. Now, do you know why I went that way? So last Sunday, we had a diagram here on the board. So the peace that we're talking about this morning is the peace that we have because of that availability to the most holy place because of a happening in history. That access to the very presence of God because of that veil that was rent from the top to the bottom by the sacrifice of Christ. So, do you remember what he said about the holy place and the most holy place? So, in the most, in the holy place. Um, now, I didn't go back and write it down, didn't go back and listen to it. But it, it has to do with the, that, that's where your feelings are, okay? Uh, and so, um, it's not, not something that we, we finally get to where we have a feeling or come to a position. Um, this is a... Um, this is ours because of the, the relationship that we can have with God because of that access into his very presence. So we wouldn't have this peace. We couldn't give this expression of peace without that rent veil, without that access to God through the gift of Jesus Christ. So this peace is a relationship we have with God through Jesus shed blood. And I just wrote down here it's a part of that gift package that we get, okay? Scripture tells us the wages of sin's death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Through that sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now I want to read 
part of Hebrews 10 this morning. I'm just going to read down through here quickly. Don't want to take too much time here this morning, but just thinking about peace that we can have through God, through Jesus Christ, and that's the only way we can have the peace that the Bible tells us about is through Jesus Christ. It's not something we can work up. Um, Hebrews 10, starting at verse 7, says, Then said I, Behold, I have come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do your will, O God. So Jesus came to do the Father's will. That was his purpose in coming. Verse 8, previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We'll stop there just a little bit. So it's giving the picture, the comparison of what happened in the Old Covenant Every year, every year, every year. But he took care of that. He rent that veil so that he could take care of it once, and it's done. Verse 11, every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. So for what we're talking about today... It could never bring that true peace that God wants for us through Jesus Christ. Verse 12, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he was perfected forever, he has perfected those forever, who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. I'll stop there just a little bit again. You remember last Sunday when Levi talked about this physical part of it in the holy place? But then you get into the heart and mind of it in the most holy place. Now, where was I? Uh, verse 17. Then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, through his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So this morning, this piece we're talking about is what we have available, what we can experience 
as we experience that washing of the blood of Christ, and then we have the opportunity to stir up other people. Now, usually when you talk about stirring up somebody, it doesn't have a very good picture. This is a good picture. We're to stir up to love and to good works. Stir up love in our brother and to encourage them in living out the experience that God has brought into their lives. I have two, two things here I want to look at. Where is it from? And it's pretty obvious. I've already gone to that. But you go through the scriptures, that the letters that Paul sent to the churches, I think every one of them he starts out with grace and peace. But he doesn't say just grace and peace. He says where it's from. So you have in... Uh, Romans 1.7, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where this peace is from. 1 Corinthians, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And almost verbatim, the beginnings of, any of, of all his letters to the churches starts out that way. It's reminded, I've emailed with somebody in the last few months and they always end their email with peace. Uh, I thought that was interesting. But the Apostle Paul is wishing the peace of God, maybe I shouldn't say wishing, willing the peace of God on those people in those churches, his brethren in those churches, uh, that they can have through that relationship with Jesus Christ. And then you also have it uh, in the, some of the letters at the end of the New Testament. In 3 John, John mentions that. Uh, he says, Grace be with you, mercy and peace from the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. I missed one, Philemon. That was a letter from Paul to Philemon. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jude, the same thing. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. John, at the beginning of his letter to the churches, says this. Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. So the peace that we experience, or the peace that we can experience, that we're talking about today, comes through God. It originates with God. That's where we get it from. We get it because of that cleansing that we can experience through his son, Jesus Christ. So how do we get it? Now... I'm not going to say this is one, two, three steps. I mean, you could go through. There needs to be a belief in Jesus Christ. There needs to be a, a confession. There needs to be an acceptance of, and all this. Um, 
That's the part that we play to receive that gift. It needs to be an acceptance on our part. Romans 15:13 says, "Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost." So we get it as the Holy Ghost comes into our lives and brings us that peace. Hebrews 12, 13, verse 20 and 21 say this, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ. That's where it comes from. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. First Corinthians 1.20, having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And then Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your heart to the which ye also are, call, ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. So my mind went to a couple of songs as I went down through this. So one song, the first song that came to my mind was Peace, Perfect Peace. And that's in a question. Peace, perfect peace in this dark world of sin? And what does the songwriter say? The blood of Jesus whispers peace within. It's the only way we can have this peace. Peace, perfect peace, by thronging duties pressed to do the will of Jesus. This, the songwriter says, rest. Change that word. This is peace. Peace, perfect peace, death shadowing us and ours. Jesus has vanquished death and all its powers. Peace, perfect peace, our future all unknown. Jesus, we know, and he's still on the throne. And then the last verse, it is enough. Earth's struggles soon shall cease, and Jesus call us to heaven's perfect peace. Another song, Prince of Peace, control my will, bid this struggling heart be still, bid my fears and doubtings cease, hush my spirit into peace. So that is a request for this peace that only comes through Jesus Christ. 
So how is this peace made possible? Verse 2 says this. Thou hast bought me with thy blood. Open wide the gate to God. Peace I ask. But peace must be how? Lord and being one with thee. Remember that definition? Set it one again. The only way we can be one with God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have the conditions for this peace. May thy will, not mine, be done. May thy will and mine be one. There's that oneness again. Chase these doubtings from my heart. Now thy perfect peace impart. As we yield ourselves to God, then we can experience that peace that comes from him. So what's the consequence of this peace? The songwriter says, Savior, at thy feet I fall. Thou my life, my God, my all. Let thy happy servant be one forevermore with thee. Now that songwriter had a couple of verses in that poem that were not in the music. And I thought it was interesting, and I was going to uh, go and look up a couple of words that they use because this songwriter uses words that I don't use. But this is some of the, the phrases that were omitted from this song when it came from the poem to a hymn. Thou who stilled the raging deep placidly to childlike sleep, raise my heart to things above, modulate my soul to love. So I have my mind about what maybe modulate might mean. Somebody want to help me out with that one? I didn't look it up and I was going to. What does it mean to modulate something? Adjust. Adjust, okay. So we can't do it unless we have that controlling part of God to love. Next one, King of Salem, strong to save, no ecstasy joy I crave, no ecstatic joy I crave. Let thy spirit's soothing calm glide into my soul like balm. Jesus came to offer that peace that God wants you and I to have. Another songwriter put some scriptures, a lot of them from the Old Testament, a few from the New Testament together, and was put to music. Isaiah 26, verse 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Second verse, Marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. Now, I'm leaving out the repeated phrases in this.
Next verse from Isaiah 1:18. Though your sins be as scar- though your sins as scarlet be, they shall be as white as snow. And the verse from Isaiah says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The next verse, taken from John 8, 36, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. If the Son gives you peace, then you've got peace. That's the only way you have peace. And then the last verse of that song, They that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. And it comes from Isaiah 40. This morning, you want peace. I want peace. Do you have peace? Do I have peace? The only way we can have it is through that surrendered life to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then we can experience peace with God. And it's only then that we can experience peace on this level. Just a couple of verses in relation to the peace on this level. 1 Thessalonians 5.13 says, Be at peace among yourselves. Hebrews 12.14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. It's intertwined. Peace with God, peace with our fellow man. Peace with our fellow Christians. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and I want to end with this verse. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's uh, take a couple minutes for any restroom break you might need to take care of your crock pots. How much time do you need? Is 10 after too quickly? So let's uh, take a couple minutes. And uh, Morris, if you could have a verse or two of song at the end of that, and then we'll continue on. So you're dismissed.